Christian life is a battle. The world is not a playground, it's a battlefield. If we're not careful, we'll get wounded to the point that they'll have to take us back and we'll be inactive in service. I don't know if you've ever considered ways to fight the good fight. We've already heard that the desert is all around us, hopefully not in us. And as we're walking through this desert experience, as we're walking through this wilderness, there are foes on every hand. Enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil himself. What we need is some weaponry, some weapons of warfare. You say, well, the Bible talks about that. Yes, it does. Ephesians chapter 6 gives us a pretty good list, not only of armor that helps protect us from the onslaughts of the enemy, but also gives us two offensive weapons. Sword of the Spirit, great. And then the spear, which is prayer, praying. So I got the sword of the Spirit, I got the spear of prayer. Let me suggest that there is another weapon that you have in your locker room, your spiritual locker room, that's available for you you need to take it out, you need to implement it in warfare. It is perhaps a weapon you've not thought about before. Let me suggest this term, tactical, tactical weapon for warfare. Tactical is a, is a word that's, that's quite commonly used today. I don't know if you know what it means or not, well, let me give you the basics. It is the art and skill of taking that which is available to reach a desired goal. The art and skill of taking that which is available to reach a desired end or goal. Have you ever thought that a good way to fight the good fight is with the tactical weapon of praise. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 147, please. 147. I first met Joe McHale when he was in high school. Had the privilege of staying in his home with his brother and his mom and his dad and his grandma. And since those early years, I have so appreciated his zeal for the Lord, his disciplined life, his enthusiasm for the things of God. 
I still believe that there was an eternal work done in a little town called New Liskard, Ontario, when Joe and one or two carloads of his peers came while they were still in high school and did a weekend retreat in our little assembly. The results of that weekend have continued, brother, to be lived out in the lives of young people who caught the vision that weekend. That you don't have to be old and you don't have to be mature and you don't have to have all of the answers to have a life that's pleasing to the Lord Jesus and reaches out to others. And they exemplified that that weekend to our young people. Many, if not most, my wife will tell you exactly how many there were, but many, if not most of those young people are all going on for the Lord. And I attribute a great deal of that to that weekend when you folks came and visited us. Thank you. Psalm 147 nears the end of the Psalms. If you were to look at Psalm 1, it would start something like this. Blessed is the man. And then for 149 more Psalms, uh, you're going to find every imaginable circumstance that man could face. I mean, don't you know that when you read the Psalms? You're reading along in the Psalms and you go, oh, that's just like what happened to me. Oh, I know somebody that that happened to. And, and as you read through the Psalms, every imaginable uh, predicament or circumstance of life just seems to unfold. And then you get to the last five. And the last five all start with this. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you see, at, at the beginning, if you so desire and by grace and through faith, walk with the Lord. At the end of the whole thing, you'll be so full of praise you can't contain yourself. Praise the Lord. Watch your Bible. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord does build up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the broken in heart, and he binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the meek. He casts the wicked down to the ground. I want you to think with me this evening that praise is an available resource for you to actually engage in warfare against the enemies of your soul against the enemies of your ter uh, testimony, against the enemies of your own flesh and your own heart that war against you, that God not only has given us his word and not only can we speak to him in prayer, but praise is available tonight. I was riding on a plane once and I sat down 
uh, and a middle seat. I really don't like those middle seats. You got to get it from both sides, but nevertheless, the lot fell on me, and I'm in the middle seat. So I figured I'd need a little help, take my New Testament out, and try to read. The guy that's sitting to my immediate right said to me, you're a Christian, aren't you? I thought, oh boy, here we go, you know. Like, I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I'm a Christian too. And he says, I'm a worship leader in my church. And he pulls out a huge magazine, picture of their church and some choir or something singing, I think. He said, I'm, I'm a worship leader in my church. I said, great. Good. <laughs> uh, well, he said, we got a big church, you know. I said, that's, that's good. Right? And, and he kind of went on. I, he was baiting me, so finally I asked him. I said, listen, you're a worship leader? He said, yeah, I am a worship leader. I said, good. I said, if anybody knows this answer to this question, you ought to know it. He said, yeah, what is it? I said, what is worship? You know, I don't think he knew what worship was. He tried to explain it as singing and praising. Now, let's don't be too hard on him. You might have a pat answer for that. But when's the last time you worshiped? You might can win an argument. But as the Lord won your heart, it's a difference, you know. I think sometimes we get praising and worship so intermingled that it's good. It's not bad. What's wrong with that? Are, are, are we so theologically correct that we would not say, we don't have a worship meeting at 11 o'clock. Why not? <laughs> what would be wrong with that if you had one at 11 o'clock? Why is it that we say, well, we come together to remember the Lord. That's worship. We come together at 11 o'clock, and that's teaching. So that can't be worship. It's about time we got off the big horse, don't you? It's about time we stop looking down our noses at people who don't just have it maybe as correct as we think we have it. Anyhow, about that time, uh, the flight attendant came and said, Mr. Reese, you've been bumped up to first class. I said, <laughs> guy said, you're not going, are you? I said, God forbid, of course I'm going. <laughs> yeah. I said, the Lord did that. I didn't do that. He said, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, we're going to Atlanta. I'll meet you in Atlanta. I said, you know, I'll wait on you. So after we got off the plane, I was waiting on him. He came up to me and he said, I really wanted to talk to you, you know. He said, uh, I'd like for you to pray for me. He said, I, I got a lot of trouble. He said, I'm, right now I'm separated from my wife and family the second time. He said, uh, I've got some problems. 
I said, yes, and I know what your problems are. He said, you do? I said, yes. You got a problem with pornography, don't you? He looked at me and he said, how would you know that? I said, because it's written all over your face. I was at a, a conference once and the song leader came to me um, at lunch and he said, where no one else could hear, he said, you know, I, I got a problem with pornography. I, I'm married, I have three children. He said, I can't shake it. This was our song leader at our conference. There's no doubt in my mind tonight that there are people listening to my voice over the internet and people in this room tonight that are battling with such things. Geography doesn't exempt you, you know. Carrying a Bible doesn't exempt us from the temptations and the desert experiences for the worse and not for the better. Um, about probably about 10 or 12 years ago, I was asked by a group of men to take up the subject of moral purity. Some of you have probably sat in one of my seminars over the years. And we've tried as best we could to challenge young men and older men in that area of their life. None of those seminars were ever um, recorded purposely because we talk about the real issues of life. There has to be some discipline in a person's life. It's not my desire this weekend to speak on this subject, but but, but let me share this with you. You are this far away from falling tonight. And nobody here exempt. Man, woman, boy, girl. We're all vulnerable. And this battle continues on. The enemies do not take a coffee break. They do not take sick days. They do not take vacation days. This battle rages. If the world doesn't get me and the devil's not after me, my own flesh lusts for the things that are wrong, things that are against God. And as we fight the good fight, as we battle this thing out, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, let me suggest for you that we have some available means at our disposal and if we implement this thing right, let me suggest that there are many positive things that will happen for you. Let's look at it in our text just a little closer. What is praise? Praise, if I could give you this definition, praise is to acknowledge the worth of a person. Praise is to give them honor and recognition for things that they have accomplished. The world is good at that. The Oscars, the Academy Awards, Olympic gold medals. This person is the best person in the whole world and they can do it better or longer or 
We give them a gold medal. They, they have reached an elite status, and the world recognizes that. They attribute worth to them because of what they have accomplished. Wow. Can you think of anybody in the universe that should be praised more than the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> Look what he's accomplished. <laughs> Let, let's lift him up. Let's attribute worth to the things that he has done. Let's acknowledge him. Let's honor him. Let's praise him. Well, in the first verse, we learn three things about it. Notice, it's good, it's pleasant, and it's comely. That's praise. Praise is good. Just means it's proper. It's the right thing to do. It's the acceptable thing to do. You ought to do it. This is something that is right to do. Secondly, it's pleasant. I like that. There's so many unpleasant things in life. If I could use this word, um, soothing, reasonable. I like this, not irritating. Praise is not irritating. It is soothing. You actually enjoy doing it. And, and could I pause here and say it's contagious? If you're in a corporate meeting of the assembly, or if you're in a group Bible study, or if you're at home with your children, your wife and your children, and you start attributing worth to the Lord Jesus, you start lifting him up, there's something so attractive about that that you want to get in on it. It's contagious. Look at the last thing we learn in verse 1. It's comely. That is, it's beautiful. You're attracted to it. If you're driving down the road, we came from San Diego today, we're driving along, and I said to my wife, I said, look at this, this is Southern California. Wow, look at that, rocks. <laughs> Long Highway 15 coming up, you know. Rocks on top of a hill, isn't that so beautiful, you know. And then every once in a while, you, you see actually carved into the side of the hill or maybe notched in on the top of one of these hills, you'll see a beautiful home, landscaped, perfect picture, right colors, just the setting. And you go, wow, look at, how nice is that? And, and you kind of just want to, Get as much of that as you can as you're going along. You go, yeah, look at that, and look, and look at that. And you, you really would like to stop and just take it in. Praises like that. In a non-sensual, sexual way, a beautiful woman walks into the room, and everybody sees her. She's comely. She's beautiful. You, you can't help it. Same with a handsome man. He stands out in the crowd. He walks in, the way he carries himself, his physical appearance. And, and, and again, not in a wrong way, you just go, what a handsome man. We see that. Listen, praise is attractive. When you see it, do you know you can't praise in the flesh and please God? Did you know that? 
You can't do anything in the flesh and please God. You can't read your Bible in the flesh and please God. You, you can't pray in the flesh and please God. You can't witness in the flesh and please God. You can't praise in the flesh and please God. But in the spirit, you know that the New Testament church is so designed that the only way it works is when everybody's spirit-filled. Did you know that? It doesn't work any other way. It's too vulnerable. That's the reason we have hundreds of denominations and philosophies and different churches and everybody's trying to fix it. And we, we try to fix it too. But you see, if you just took it just like it was and you just allowed God, allowed the, the Lord Jesus to have his rightful place and we submitted ourselves to him and we came together in worship and praise and adoration and lift him up and attribute to him his worth and we're just caught up with him and the whole congregation is filled with the spirit. Let me tell you, you'd go home and tell your grandchildren about that because you'd say, I haven't ever seen that before. I had a car one time and one... The gas gauge got on empty, it ran out. I did not like that, I don't like that. I like a car that the gas gauge comes on empty and you can go a couple of days, you know? <laughs> backup, you know, I'm big for backup. Many, I believe, Christians and some, I believe, assemblies are running on empty. Spirit's already departed. Oh, they're going through the motions. <laughs> they got the right motions. We sing the right hymns. And matter of fact, Bob, thank you for those hymns that we don't sing very often. Those are beautiful, lovely hymns tonight. So we can sing the, the right hymns. And, and we can say the right things. And we can say, this is worship, and this is teaching, and this is... And we can cross it and dot it. We got a saying in Mississippi, and I hope you remember this. You can be just as straight as a you can be as straight as a gun barrel and just as empty. You can have it all right, and, and the spirit of the thing is gone. So you, you can't praise in the flesh. You, you can't teach in the flesh. You can't worship. I mean, you can, but it doesn't count. Like there, there's no lasting result. The spirit is not in it. I mean, how many times have we said or we prayed, Lord, we pray that we'll be visited by your spirit tonight. That you will come among us and work in and out of every heart sitting in every pew. We don't want to go away and say, wasn't that a good weekend? We want to be changed from the inside. Well, let me tell you something about praise. If praise comes from a heart full to the Lord and stuttering and stammering, we lift up our voices and we lift him up. And as best we know how, we attribute to him his worth and who he is and what he's done and what he's doing. And on that goes, it is beautiful. It is proper. It is the right thing to do. It is 
good to sing praises to the Lord. Well, we asked ourselves the question, well, uh, if it's good and it's pleasant and it's comely, uh, what are some reasons? Now, you and I tonight know lots of reasons. We would know probably most of you tonight if you would sit down and be quiet and think. You could take a, a pen or a pencil and you could probably list dozens, if not hundreds, of reasons to attribute to him his worth, his accomplishments. Honor him for what he has done. The context is pretty small here, but let me refer to it for a moment. First, we read this in verse 2. He builds up Jerusalem and he gathers together the outcast of Israel. You know who the outcast of Israel are? Unless you know your genealogy, you are one. God's long arm of salvation didn't stop with Israel, even in the Old Testament. If any believed, you say, well, how did they get saved in the Old Testament? Uh, they believed. Well, how did Noah get saved? Uh, he found grace. <laughs> how, how would you get saved in the New Testament? Well, you believe. I've had, I haven't had a lot of desert experiences, but I have, have a lot of plane experiences, flying experiences. The guy's got a hammock on, he's sitting across the room, the aisle from me, and we finally got up, leveled off. You can turn everything on before he reached for everything he's going to turn on. I said, excuse me, sir. I said, I can't help but notice that little hat you're wearing. I said, are you a Jew? He said, yes, I am. I said, do you know what tribe you're from? He said, I was born in Michigan, he says. <laughs> I said, would it, uh, would it interest you if I told you I know what tribe I'm from? Yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know. I said, I'm the son of Abraham by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. I believe God. And it's accounted unto me for righteousness. Don't make it hard. Whether it's the Jew or the Gentile, God's long arm of salvation reaches all the way. And we can praise him for that. We can praise him tonight. If you know the Lord Jesus, I, some years ago I heard Jabe Nicholson ask the question, what have you done this week that only a Christian would do? At first I thought, ah, it goes Jabe again. What's the big deal, you know? <laughs> I got thinking about that. What would you do? Can't say I prayed. A lot of people do that. Can't say I go to church. Can't say I read my Bible. Can't say I witnessed. You can't. What can't you? What could you do that only a child of God could do? You could praise Him for going to the cross of Calvary for you personally. We, after a while, if we're not careful, we forget it. I went to a conference once where there was, I believe it, I was going to say there were more preachers than there was congregation, but I think it was equal. And there were three preachers. <laughs> <laughs> and during the break, uh, a guy came up to me and 
said something, and I said to him, I said, um, when did you get saved? He got his handkerchief out. He'd been saved 70 years. You know what he said to me? I never got over it with tears. You don't want to get over it, do you? Don't you want to praise him tonight for going to Calvary for you? Doesn't that come up in your conversation daily? Doesn't that help you every day to remember whose you are? Praise him for what he's done. I, I don't want to minimize that, but look as, as we continue here in verse 3. He heals the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds. Know anybody broken hearted? Go like this. There's so many people today, let me tell you. If, if we opened this up for testimony and prayer request tonight, We'd have to cancel the conference tomorrow because we wouldn't get through all the testimonies and prayer requests tonight for people who are broken people. They're broken. They're wrenched. They're wounded. Oh, I, I so appreciate it from Isaiah. He gives beauty for ashes. Don't you like that? But, but, but listen to this. The Lord Jesus stood up in Nazareth that day in the synagogue and he says, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted. There could be people under the sound of my voice tonight that are so hurt, so broken, they can't even tell anybody. They think nobody would ever understand this. Oh, we come to the meeting and we look like the perfect couple. And we're certainly not. It has not turned out for me. I'm broken. I sat in a parking lot one night, about a half an hour early for a meeting. And uh, just the way the whole thing was, there was a, a couple came in, an older couple and uh, it, was a, it was a summer night, and I had the window rolled down on my car, and they didn't really pay any attention to me. I was just sort of off in the corner of the parking lot and going over some notes. And, and the way that man talked to his wife, I could not repeat that tonight. And they went into that meeting, and they looked like the perfect couple. Broken wounded spirit. Jesus has come to heal that, to bond up the wounds, to set at liberty the bruised. Oh, she said, he never touched me, but he bruised me so bad I'll never get over. We can praise him tonight because he can come into a situation like that where nobody can understand it. You can't tell anybody. Matter of fact, you've cried to the Lord so much, you're almost embarrassed to keep asking them for help. But the scriptures say he moves into that situation and he binds up 
And he heals. And he gives grace to go on. Can't we praise him for that tonight? Look at verse 4. He tells the number of the stars. Last year, there was a stargazing team in Australia. It's a university. And they came out with a new uh, figure on how many stars there are. You ready? This is what they said. There are 10 times more stars, heavenly bodies, planets, 10 times more heavenly bodies in the universe that we can account for, that we believe, we see, we number them, they're there. 10 times more than the grains of sand on earth. He knows how many. And think about this. He calls them all by their names. You say, wow, that's, that's something. But I mean, okay. So, so why do I praise him for that? He didn't die for stars. Two weeks ago, I was on a plane. and My flight was late. I got to the second gate. She said, we gave up your seat. And I said, well, I'm here. <laughs> Don't give it up. I know I'm late. She said, well, we'll find you another seat. Hurry, get in there. They're, they're all waiting. Then you go in this little plane, they're all going. Like they've been sitting there, you know. They think I've been drinking coffee or something. I'm the last. I'm holding the whole show up here. So nobody's smiling when I get on the plane. And so anyhow, I sit down beside this lady and... I was going to Chicago, actually, and I, uh, I said, hi. She said, hi. And uh, her mother probably told her, don't talk to strangers, you know. But anyhow, I said, you, you live in Chicago? She said, yes, I do. I said, you like Chicago? She said, yes, I do. She said, you like Chicago? I said, no. <laughs> I, don't, I hardly ever go there. I don't know anything about it. I probably don't like it, you know. I don't like like big cities, you know. I said, what, what do you do? What kind of work do you do? She said, I make celebrities. I said, you make celebrities? She said, yeah. Wow, I said. I said, I'm a celebrity. <laughs> she said, you are? I said, yeah, I am. I said, do you want to know how important I am? This is a real deal, folks. Listen, I'm not making this up, okay? <laughs> she said, yes, I'd like to know how important you are. I said, I am so important that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on a cross for my sins so that I could be forgiven. She looked at me and I really don't know how to explain so that you would get this, but I'm going to tell you something. She locked on, if, if, if I could use that expression. She, she got that as much as she could. And I said, do you know that God loves you absolutely unconditionally? 
You cannot do anything to make him love you more. You don't have to perform. You don't have to act. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be anything. I said, everybody on this plane, including you, that's how much God loves them. I had the most wonderful opportunity to tell her the way of salvation. What's going on? She's more important than stars. That's what's going on. Christ did not come to die for heavenly bodies. He came to die for poor sinners like you and I. Can't we praise him for that? And let me tell you this. If he knows the number of the stars and he calls them by name, how much more do you think he cares for you and loves you? Come on. Don't make it hard. Verse 5. He Great is the Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. What do we get out of that? How can I praise him for that? He knows everything. <laughs> One guy said, he knows everything about you. Every word before you say it. Every uh, uh, thought before you think it. Every deed before you do it. He knows everything about you. And he said, that's not the most incredible thing. The most incredible thing is that he still loves you. O oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me, the scriptures say. I can praise him for that. Uh, look quickly at verse 6. He lifts up the meek. He casts down the wicked. What is, why can I praise him for that? He always does what's right. He's got it figured out. You and I would mess it up. We would, we would take revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't worry about it. God got it under control. Isaiah saw him sitting on the throne, not pacing in front of the throne, rubbing his hands together. Praise him because he always does what's right. Uh, quickly, Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Let me see if I can bring this to a close with the three little passages. Psalm 22. Very familiar psalm, but perhaps you overlooked this as you read too fast about praise. Verse 3, Psalm 22 and verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Let me suggest that when praise is going on, when from our hearts we lift him up, we attribute worth. We recognize him for what he has done and who he is. And as we are praising him, God says, I'm in on that. <laughs> I'm there. I inhabit the praises of my people. Well, you know, we're all familiar with the verse that says, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Let me tell you, here's another one. When my people get together and they lift me up in praise and adoration, I am there. Couldn't we say then that praise beckons the presence of God? Oh, but it doesn't stop there. Let's go to 2 Chronicle chapter 20. 2 Chronicle. It's where the pages are stuck together. You'll get it. Just keep going there. 
Second Chronicle chapter 20, the context is that Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, is being attacked. And the messenger comes and he says, boy, we're in a bad way. Three huge armies are riding right down on us. So Jehoshaphat says, well, the only thing I know, know to do is call for a fast. Stop music, stop school, stop work, stop, stop everything. Get everybody in the kingdom together. Get on our knees and ask God for help. And, and, and so they did that. And, and as they did that, God sent a prophet. And the prophet said, okay, it's all right. Jehoshaphat, here's the deal. You're not going to have to fight in this battle. Here's the plan. You see this? There's a place called Tekoa. You know where that is? Yeah, I know where that is. You get down there and just watch. That's all you got to do. So the next day, Jehoshaphat gets the whole kingdom together. Look in verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. Now, we know that's characteristic of worship, don't we? Notice, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Verse 19, the Levites, children of the Korhites, children of the Korhites, stood up to, they were on the ground, and now they're getting up. They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high, and they rose early in the morning, and they went to the wilderness of Tekoa, as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Notice now, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers. Not spearmen, not bowmen, not horsemen, not warriors singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out. Notice the position. Before the army and say, this is what they're going to do. They're going to sing, praise the Lord for his mercy endured forever. Verse 22, and when they began to sing and to praise, God says, not only am I here, not only does praise beckon my presence, praise beckons my power. And God moved. The choir led the army into battle. And God won the day. At the end of verse 24, none escaped. <laughs> they turned on one another. They were right down to two men. And they must have went like this, watch. <laughs> and they got one another. None escaped. And Israel gathered the spoil that day. What started the whole thing when they began to sing and to praise? You got the New Testament counterpart, don't you? Not Elvis Presley and Jailhouse Rock. It's Paul and Silas. And when they began to sing and to praise, God moved. Praise beckons the presence of God. Praise beckons the power of God. Go to uh, Psalm with me, 61, please, quickly. 61. Look at the last verse, verse 8. 
Psalm 61, verse 8, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever. Why? That I may daily perform my vows. Did you ever consider that praise is a way of victory? Praise is a way to fight the enemy. Praise is a way to daily perform your vows. Praise is a way that you and I can actually have a life that is effective and honors the Lord Jesus Christ. By doing what? A tactical weapon. That which has, is available to us. Praising. This is the last, I promise. This is the last one. Okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And then I'll be through. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Talking about stewards and faithfulness, etc. The context, look at verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who, will, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Let me suggest that as a preacher of the gospel, as a Bible teacher, my responsibility is to instruct you in these things. That's my responsibility and the power of the Spirit of God. What is praise? You ought to praise. Here's some reasons to praise. This is what praise means. You ought to be engaged in that. God is there when you do it. God's power is there when you do it. Uh, the, 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 the steadfast, disciplined Christian life is entered into daily by praise. 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 Lifting him up. Honoring him. But let me tell you, according to this verse, my understanding is one day at the end of the whole thing, God is going to praise you. Every man, boy and girl and woman, is going to be recognized in heaven by God. He's going to attribute some worth to you. He's going to recognize that. Every man shall have praise of God. Oh, you and I can't praise him enough, but I'll tell you one day, he will recognize you. You see, the Lord Jesus will get the reward of his suffering. He will. And he has made it possible for us tonight to return back to him from our hearts. Praise. Now, if you think we're not going to sing... 19 in the hymn book, Bob. <laughs> Lauren, please, if you could play for us. Number 19, and we're going to rise and we're going to sing. And after that, I think David's going to come and close in prayer and give thanks for the food.